I want to say thank you to you guys for having me back home, Mississippi. I actually do pronounce it correctly. I've been gone long enough. They taught me when I was out there how to pronounce it. My wife and I are refugees from Mississippi. We went to New Mexico because it was so much richer there. You obviously haven't been to New Mexico. <laughs> all right. Again, uh, first of all, I want to I want to say a, a couple of shout outs. Um, Ethan and Malia came. Of course, they they're, they 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 all right. Thank you. My my sister Sherry is from Iuka, and she came back. She she's she's my faithful sister. I have eight sisters. And then, and then uh, also from our fellowship, Sean Hampton is over here. And Sean is a student up at Asbury Seminary. Did I get it right? And he's going to be a scholar, I'm telling you. Watch out. Everything he does, he does with excellence. All right. I just, I got I to gotta be a little shameless here for a minute. Do you ever get up against it and you wonder if we're going to be all right? You ever, you ever do that? You ever, you ever like, okay, we're in a bind, we're going to be all right? Anybody who ever was worried about being in a bind, you should have been a Red Sox fan this year. I, I am a lifelong Boston Red Sox fan. And, we, and my son and I watched them really closely this year. And they were in a mess over and over and over. But one thing we noticed about that team was they were just able always to fight back and so I stayed up and watched that 18 inning game where they lost to the Dodgers three to two and they were they were and then Saturday night came and I was in church when I got out of church old uh, old Dodgers had them down four to nothing they had they had the Red Sox down four to nothing I got in my car I said, four to nothing, what inning is it? Seventh inning. I said, we got them where we want them. And Mississippi Mitch stepped up to the plate, baby, and took that thing out yard. Y'all ain't happy about that? And it became four to three, and we were like, we, we can see home from here. Y'all must be Dodger fans. I don't know what what to do with y'all? I know y'all were all rooting for the Red Sox for one reason. Old Mississippi. All right. You got your, you got your Bibles open? Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Is it on you? And he brought me out in the spirit. And the Lord set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me out among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered with the best answer in the whole Bible. Oh Lord, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. And I said to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. And I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. Put breath in you and you will live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. And there was a sound. 
Behold, rattling and bones came together bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come on them and the skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. (coughs) Nobody's happy about that? Man, this is one of the best, this is one of the best pieces in the Bible. Now listen to me. I don't know if you know it, but everybody is throwing dirt on the church these days. Anywhere you go, they're throwing dirt on God's church. They're saying it's dead, finished, the culture's done with it, it's on the trash heap of history. It's not just the world, it's the church people themselves. More church people curse the church than the world curse the church. They're cursing and swearing and calling us names and all kinds of things. And I'm, I'm like... I'm a lifer, so I'm the guy they're mad at. I've been in this thing for, for as long as I've been saved. I got saved and God said, there's, there's my bride, you take care of her. When I hear people dishing on Jesus' bride, I, wa- I want to say to them, are you a nut? Have you lost your mind? I got a sweet wife for, for 44 years, and if you dish on her, I'm going to bust you in the mouth. We're going to have some come to Jesus for sure. All right, now, come on. Here's what we're saying. God ain't done. We're not done. This thing isn't finished. There's work to be done. And God's calling the people in a certain place at a certain time to rise up. And there's not very many of us here, but this is better than dry bones. I, I can work with this. Man, a Jewish prophet in a valley of bones is not home. But you have to understand what had happened. He was a member of a nation that had died. His nation died. The nation died deader than a stone. Deader than dust. He's a dead nation. So I don't worry about when somebody says God's church is going to die. Come on. He's already dealt with dead nations. He can, he can deal with a dusty church. I'm not going to sweat. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to pull my hair out what's left of it. God's church? Are you kidding me? God's church? Listen, all through the time of history, God does. You know what he does? He does the same thing to the church that he did to those bones. He just breathes on her. The breath of his spirit comes in and we live. I was in Brazil a couple of weeks ago and there was a a prostitute who'd been in the street 10 years. And she'd been 10 years a street whore. Can we talk? And somebody said to her, 10 years, your life must be a mess because they're all sodded in the psychological drama of American life and how we're all a mess every time somebody hurts our feelings with a word. We're 40 years getting over it. I said, what must it been like 10 years on the street? Can we grow up? What's it like 10 years on the street? And you know what this girl said? One second of Jesus touching me and the 10 years were gone. 
come on, we got some of this now. So you got, so you got a nation, dead, dead nation, dead as a stone, God's people, God's chosen people, dead. And he says, preach to them. You ever wondered why Paul talked about the foolishness of preaching? He'd read Ezekiel. Preach to a boneyard? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. You got to get a better idea, God. The foolishness of preaching. God said, I'm going to take preaching and I'm going to put breath in people. I'm going to put breath in a nation. I'm going to put breath in a church. I'm going to put breath in a 1040 window. I'm going to put breath in a vision. That's what God says. That's why I came this weekend. That's why I came to Stark Vegas, Mississippi. That's why I came here to, to say, can God stir something up in Starkville that'll shake the nation from Wilmington to Los Angeles? From Jacksonville to San Diego? Can God do something that will shake us again and cause us to rise up and cause us to be an exceeding great army again? Of course He can. Of course He can. And I'm audacious. I believe He wants to use me and I'm an old man. I've been serving Jesus now on 46 years. And I'm not done. I'm Caleb. Give me the hard spot. I'm going after it. Can we talk? Let's do this thing. And so God speaks to the prophet and he says, go preach. And the man preached and lo and behold, that boneyard became a corpse yard. Did you see what happened to it? It's the strangest picture in the scripture. He preached to them and they had a zombie revival. A bunch of dead people got up and walked. And y'all making movies about them now. Y'all, this is an old story. This ain't no new story. Michael Jackson got himself a song. Come on. And then God said, preach to the spirit. That word spirit can be breath. Or wind. He might as well have said, Hey, Ezekiel, breathe on them so what I put in you will get on them. And so what was dead came to life. I'm almost through my sermon. I'm only five minutes in. What's y'all's problem? Y'all, wor- y'all worried about time. I ain't worried about time. Uh, listen, if God make the sun stand still for a while, He can help me with this sermon. We're, we're going to get this thing done. Don't you worry about it a bit. So listen, there's that thing. It was, a, it was an interesting thing. Now God was worried about his people. He had sent that prophet. He said, the first thing, one of the things he said to him, he said, preach to the, he said, preach to the shepherds. Y'all think, y'all think that was good because God gave the pastors a good whooping, but that wasn't what it was. Preaching to the shepherds meant preaching to the kings because the shepherds of Israel were their kings from the time of David on. Preach to the shepherds. And here's what you say to them when you preach to them. Tell them that because you won't take care of the sheep, but you take care of yourself, God says, I myself will come and shepherd my sheep. Is it Christmas time? Is it Christmas time when we dress up like shepherds to welcome the good shepherd who came to shepherd his sheep?
You want a passage about the deity of Christ, there it is. It's when Jesus stood up and said, I'm the good shepherd. Because they had in their mind the words of Ezekiel that said, all the shepherds are bad. And he said, I'm the good shepherd. And my sheep will hear me. Listen to me. You understand how easy our job is? What we're asking to do? A man has got it in his spirit. His family has galvanized around him. His church family has galvanized around him. God has told us to speak to the people of God and tell them to rise up. But my sheep hear my voice and they will follow me. Well, surely he will do it. I heard him. I remember when a few weeks ago this man was speaking to Papa Jack's sons out in, uh, what's that place? Mineral Wells, Texas. Nowhere, Texas. We were sitting in that room and this man was speaking that vision and I said, I don't know if anybody else is going, but I'm going. I said, Johnny, right now, you could, listen, you could equip us all with, with water pistols and we'd charge hell with you, man. Because the fire was in him, because there's a vision in him, because there's a mandate on him, because there's a call in him. This is all that Ezekiel had. Ezekiel, go and tell them. Tell that dry bones to get up and live. And tell them to breathe. It was a twofold thing. And by the way, I want you to know something. In case you didn't understand, this thing actually happened. You say, well, that was just a vision. It was just a vision of what God was going to do. And then God did it. Ezekiel didn't get to see it all, but it happened. What do you mean? The prophets started to preach to the people and say, God said, go home. And there they went. A band of them went over and began to reconstruct the temple. A band of them went over and began to reconstruct the walls. A band of them went over and began to fill the city. And suddenly that nation which was dead was suddenly alive again. And something happened. They got their temple built. When they got their temple built, listen, do you remember what happened the first time they built a temple? Oh, I want to talk to you about temples before we get done this weekend. Can I talk to you about temples before we're done? They built that temple. And when they built the temple, Solomon prayed the dedicatory prayer. And somebody breathed on the house. And the Holy Spirit filled that place and nobody could stand and nobody was arguing over whether they fell over forward or backwards. They just knew they couldn't stand because the presence, the presence, the presence, the presence filled the temple. There's something that happened. Israel, what they did was the first... The man preached the gospel to them. When he preached the gospel to them, they went back to the city. Do you know what that means? They became incorporated again. Do you understand what happened when a nation that is dead and gone and over, what happens when the people come back? The blood, flesh and blood is back. The the flesh is back in the city. The blood's back in the city. They are incorporated. They were a people again. But I want you to know something. When they dedicated the temple the second time, there's no record that anything happened. They had a house, and they had a body, and they didn't have any breath. Have you missed this point? And it's, 
it's not without suggestiveness that in Ezekiel, God did this thing in two phases. He said, preach to the bones, and the bones got up. And it wasn't over because they weren't completed. And when Israel went back to their land, they were not a restored people. They were not out of exile yet. Their troubles were not over because they did not have the presence. And then one day, a child was born. A son was given. And he tabernacled among them. And a few of them, that is a very small number, beheld his glory. Some of them said, we touched him. We saw his majestic glory. He came to his own and his own received him not. He was in their midst. He came to give them life. They were still dead. This project of the gospel in the world is not making bad people better. It's making dead people alive. This is what our mandate is. And they're out there by the myriad scores of hundreds. And I tell you, they're running from the church, but they're running back to the same old gods they've served forever. They're running back to mammon. And they're running back to Aphrodite. And they're running back to Mars. And the God of of money, sex, and power will not treat them any better than they ever did before the Jewish nation became a people or afterwards. They won't treat them any better now. The gods of this world will make havoc of them. And they will again say, is there any word from God? They will say it as surely as the Lord is going to return. They will hunger and thirst after righteousness again because they will have taken their fill of everything the world can give them and they will say, this is poison. Who brought us to these bitter waters? Who is feeding us with this worm-riddled meat? Who has given us, who has given us locust? Who has given us a stone? Who has given us a scorpion? Who are these gods that have feeding us and giving us what we do not want and cannot consume and it cannot make us alive? It will not change. It has never changed. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, There's some things about the day of Pentecost you might have missed. And there were gathered unto them people from every nation. What did that mean? That meant that there was at that time in Jerusalem come for the feast of Pentecost, for the time when God gave the law, when they could commemorate the giving of the law of God. They were gathering again. And God did something in that time. He had there all the people of Judah that had been restored and yet were still not alive. And he gathered also at that time the pilgrims from all the lands. That meant the pilgrims from the lost tribes of Israel that had been scattered by the Assyrians. Now he has in one place at one time 
all the people of Judah and all the people of Israel. Have you read your book of Ezekiel? He said he would do this for the house of Israel and the house, and, and the house of Judah. He had them all there in one place. And suddenly there came the sound of a mighty rushing wind. <laughs> what was happening? Oh, I'll tell you tomorrow a little more fully. But I'll give you the preview today. The temple was being dedicated. And the presence was being restored. And the dead were being raised. And there stood on their feet an exceeding great army. An army. I tell you an army. An exceeding great army that stood on its feet. <clears throat> and they were filled. They're known by this. Here's how you know this army. They are the ones who are filled with Holy Spirit. They are the ones who have one shepherd that rules over them a king for a kingdom. And they are the ones that are sent out in his name to do what? Hallelujah. To take tent pegs and stakes and cords and say, listen, this little bitty piece of dirt is not enough for what God's doing. He said, get longer cords and stronger stakes. We're going to build a tent that can take in all the peoples of all the nations, of all the languages of all the earth. And this is Ezekiel's mandate. I still got a couple minutes. Y'all hang on. We ain't done. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you one more really quick passage because it's about me and I like to preach about me don't you and when he poured out his spirit on them on the day of Pentecost I'm telling you that was the day the temple was rebuilt and redefined I got more to say about that and in the last days and, and when that happened the people were saying what's happening here I'm, I'm so sick of people telling me the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. You've never read your Bible. You've never read your Bible. He wasn't on that day. They said, what's up with these people? They must be drunk. And Peter stood up to explain it to them. And here's what he said. And he quoted from Joel because Peter didn't make it up. It was in the prophets. And in the last days... It shall be, declares the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit on what? On what? Let's say it like it. All flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on the male servants and the female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I'll tell you about that other part one of these days because I'm now I am running out of time, but here's how it works. Your sons and daughters, Buckner family, Bentley family, Hawkins family, your sons and daughters 
are going to prophesy. What does that mean? Spirit-inspired speech. The Holy Ghost is going to fill you and you're going to stand up and talk and they're going to say, this man is not speaking like most of our preachers. He speaks with one who has authority. Where did they get that? And then it slips in a little friendly for the old guy. And the old men will dream dreams. You're here because a few old guys are dreaming a dream. So a lot of young people can see visions. And sons and daughters can prophesy. And this is the word of the Lord for Starkville. Let it be done in Jesus' name.